0: Have you ever wondered what Jesus would say if he could speak to you today? Join us on our podcast, A Weekly Message from Jesus, as I use my gift of spirit communication to bring you a channeled message from Jesus. The link is a weekly message from jesus.podbeam.com. His messages will bring you much happiness and guidance in your life.
1: both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Adelaide hewitt mills
0: Father, once again, we are gathered before you. Your word says that unto you shall all the gathering of the people be. This morning, your people have come to hear from you and to hear a word from your heart to them. I pray that you will bless these lips of clay and anoint these lips. Let the entrance of your word, bring light. Let the word of God be glorified and have free cause in our lives. Thank you for answered prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Our daughter convention has come to an end. I was just telling Lady Pastor Linda that in fact, the daughter cake is not easy. And the various women with their various poses. It shows how special we are as women. Amen. And I want to thank all of you for making this convention what it has been. I know that there's been a lot behind the scenes that has happened. And I know that God sees and God will reward you. It's not easy to be involved in a daughter convention. Some of you just attend, so you have no idea. But those who put their hands to the plow, they know that it's not easy. But it's also a privilege and a blessing for God to even use us. Amen. So I salute all of you, and especially also the sons. Yeah. <laughs> they have done their best. They have always stood with us, and they have not been intimidated. <laughs> Once I told Bishop, You know, you have to have a Sons convention. Yeah. He said, There's no problem. You just supply me with the topics, and then I'll have it but i haven't i haven't kept that part of the my part of the bargain so by yesterday the sons told us that they are very happy to be with us but i know that some daughters don't want them to be here so the lord will make a way at least we know that if god wills and we have our camp the first night will be to ourselves and we will be blessed amen, amen. well i've been speaking about better things and the Bible comes up with so many things that it says are better for instance it says that if your right hand offends you cut it off because it is better that you enter heaven without that arm than that your whole body should be cast into hell it also says that temptations are sure to come But woe to them by whom they come. It will be better for you to have a millstone. That is a stone that weighs very heavy like some cement blocks put around your neck. And you'll be drowned in the sea. And the reason why it's a millstone is the weight will make you drown easily. And Jesus said it's better than that. Than that you should be a stumbling block to any of his children. The Bible also says that wisdom is better than rubies. It even says wisdom is better than gold. It also says that wisdom is better than silver. So, wisdom is better than all the things in your jewelry box. And some of you don't have rubies. You don't have silver. You don't have gold. And you don't have wisdom too. All that you have is custom jewelry and plastic things. And then you don't have wisdom too. The Bible says that when you have wisdom, it's, it's, it's greater than all these things. Amen. And then we learned at the Kodesh Daughter that it is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman in a large house. You know, so sometimes you may have a large house, everything is in there, but the level of contention and strife there does not make anybody come into that home or want to stay in that home or anybody come within your ambit, you know, nobody wants to be around you, even at work or in life, but they can't tell you. But they live it that it's better to be somewhere where it's difficult than to be with you. And um, we shouldn't have the attitude that, oh, as for me, I'm not contentious. Who said I'm contentious? I'm okay. I'm not this. I'm not that. Do you understand? Because contention is not like your first name that your father and your mother give you when you are born, and it never goes away. You can develop a contentious spirit later. Maybe today you are a peacemaker, but you don't know what will come that will result in making you a contentious person. So anyway, and then in Switzerland, we learned that a dry muscle is better than a house full of strife, full of sacrifices with strife. If you eat a dry mussel, you are very hungry. The Bible says it's better. Amen. Amen. And this morning, I want to speak to you about to obey is better than to sacrifice. Amen. Amen. First Samuel chapter 15. Our theme verse is verse 22. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination or witchcraft and insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Amen. Now, I just want us to read quickly parts of the passage to know why God would say this to Saul. So, let's go to the same first Samuel chapter 15. Reading from verse 2. That says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel. How he set himself against him on the way while he was coming up from Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and utterly destroy all that he has and do not spare him, but put to death both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Then Saul summoned the people and numbered them in Telim, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and set an ambush in the valley. And Saul said to the Kenites, "Go depart, go down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. for you showed kindness to all the sons of Israel when they came up from Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. So Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as you go to Shu, which is east of Egypt. And he captured Agag, the king of the Amalekites alive. And utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of his sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good. And were not willing to destroy them utterly. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. Then verse 16, then someone said to Saul, wait and let me tell you what the Lord has said to me last night. And he said to him, speak. And Samuel said, is it not true? Though you were little in your own eyes, you were made the head of the tribes of Israel. And the Lord anointed you king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are exterminated. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord, but rushed upon the spoil and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Samuel said, Saul said to Samuel, I did obey the voice of the Lord, and went on the mission on which the Lord sent me. And have brought back Agag the king of Amalek and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took some of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the choicest of the things, they voted to the destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. <laughs> then Samuel says, To obey is better than to sacrifice and all that. The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to your neighbor who is better than you. And also the glory of Israel will not lie or change his mind. Verse 30, I have sinned, but please honor me now before the elders of my people. Verse 33, but Samuel said, as your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel healed Agag to pieces before the Lord at Gilgal. Verse 34, the last sentence. And the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Now, one last verse I want us to read is Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. The people of Israel had complained. They had been striving with Moses about water. And then God told Moses, this time you, you, you shall strike the rock. In another place, he said, speak to the rock. But here he said, you strike the rock, water will come out. And because of the quarrels there, it was named Meribah and Maseh. And the people were even wondering whether God was with them or not. But Exodus 17:8. then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose men for us and go out, fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I'll station myself on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. And Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Her went up to the top of the hill. So it came about when Moses held his hand up that Israel prevailed. And when he, held his, he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. Then he took a stone And put it under him. And he sat on it. And Aaron and her supported his hands. One on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were sturdy until the sun set. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of a sword. Hmm. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this in a book as a memorial. And recite it to Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and named it, the Lord is my banner. And he said, the Lord has sworn the Lord will have war against Amalek from generation to generation. Hallelujah. To obey is better than to sacrifice. One of the reasons why to obey is better than to sacrifice is we don't have the facts like God does. And Saul was chosen to be king. Although God had said to the children of Israel, You know, it's not a good idea to have a king. When you have a king, you have a lot of other problems. But let me be your Lord. Let me be your light. And they said, no, we are too different. We want to be like other nations. Give us a king. And because God has created us in his image, he has given us our free will. So he cannot take the the power of choice from us. So when he tells you this is not good, it's not good that you be unequally yoked. It's not good that you marry somebody who does not believe in God or does not go along the things of God like you. It's not good for you. It won't end well. It's a spiritual thing. God is not just seeing you and a man. He's saying that you are Belial. That is the devil. And then Christ. He says you are the temple of God and idols have come together. So as the temple of God is moving, idols, human sacrifice, blood and things are also moving. You know, so God has more facts than we do. But that whenever he tells us something, we always feel that we know better. And we always feel that he, uh, he doesn't understand. After all, Jesus didn't get married. So he doesn't know what it is like to fall in love, lady pastor. So we make all sorts of excuses. And then our disobedience is very grave. So God then gave in and said, okay, I'll give you a king. And even in your disobedience, I will choose the king for you. I mean, that's the mercy of God. So you, Saul, you are looking for donkeys. And then it just turns around that God has chosen you without your knowledge. And then Samuel comes and anoints you as king. And God needs to change certain things in you. So he does. And the people say, wow, is Saul also prophesying. It's Saul among the, 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 the prophets. And then as you come, people begin to salute you and all that. Because a certain anointing, a certain spiritual change has occurred. But why does God go through all that? He's making an investment in our lives for his purpose, not ours. It's not because it's cool to be a king. It's not because he wanted to make you rich and important. But it was because he wanted to anoint you and prepare you for certain tasks and purposes that he has in mind and on his heart that you should fulfill. And then the first assignment he gives to Saul is, go and find, uh, fight Amalek. And when you go and fight Amalek, utterly destroy them. I don't care they are gold. I don't care their investment. I don't care their bank accounts. I don't care what their shares and their stocks and their bonds and their equities are. I said destroy everything, including the king of Amalek. And he even mentions donkeys. So that, you know, in law we say that when you make a general law, people go around it anyway. So sometimes you have to name certain things so that they will know what exactly you are talking about. So God goes through pains to say Donkeys. Cattle, they are women, their are children, everything they have destroyed. And Saul obeys. He raises a ha- an army of 200 and then 10,000 of another group, another powerful group. He takes the chariots. He leads the people as a real leader should. He attacks Amalek. He t- tells the Kenites, you know, you go out because Amalek has to be destroyed. And he does all that he has to do. And the Lord grants him victory and he wins the battle. But after he wins the battle, he has to go ahead and complete the obedience. But he decides that he will spare the king of Amalek. And then he will spare the things that are nice. So the Bible says that the things that were despised and worthless, he destroyed. But the things that were nice and costly, he kept. And it's the same way in our walk with God. The things that are easy to do, we are prepared to do. The things that are despised and worthless, we are ready to give. But the things that will cost us our gold and the things that are of such importance, then we begin to make excuses and we begin to give other reasons why. That is why when Esther was approached by Mordecai, that look, go and stand before the king and speak on behalf of the Jewish people. She had lost it. She felt that she was a queen because, I mean, God just wanted her to be a queen, to have a comfortable life. But really, it wasn't about her marriage. It wasn't about her beauty because there were so many beauty queens. But the Bible says the Lord granted her favor. So it's not your physical things per se that brings you to a place. There are many like you that are not at a certain place. But a certain favor and deserved something that comes upon you. And the reason why God gives that favor is because... He's investing in you for something. But we are so short-sighted. And we always see just, oh, it's just now. It's just what God is doing now. And so Esther does what is easy to do. When she sees that Mordecai has rent his clothes, he's put ashes on his head, he's walking in front of the palace. She sends him clothes. The things that are despised and worthless are easy to give. But the things that you treasure, you don't put on the the altar. Abraham at every stage when he was journeying, the Bible says he went not knowing where he was going, but at every stage when the Lord spoke to him, he would build an altar and sacrifice. He would build an altar and he would sacrifice. But it came to a place where God said, give me...
1: Hey, it's Jermaine from the Healing Time Podcast. Listen, I know you may not need this, but... I know you know somebody who's broken, somebody who has lost hope, somebody just down and out.
0: Tell them that the Healing Time podcast is here. It is a new day. Let's get better together. The thing that is most precious to you, and that was Isaac. And it wasn't easy to obey. Amen so Saul spares these things and we in our lives Esther just gives clothes because as a queen it's easy to order clothes to be given to Mordecai look don't fasten wear sackcloth and things wear clothes but he didn't need clothes because the clothes he was wearing he had rent them he had torn them as a sign of you know seriousness waiting on God whatever then you want the problem to be something else because you want the easy way out to solve it so you just say, oh, get him clothes, you know. And Mordecai says, that's not what it's about. It's about God's Jewish people. It's about the Jews being wiped out from the surface of this earth. God could see a bigger plan. For if the Jews had been wiped out, Jesus Christ would not have come. All that Esther was seeing was the palace, the few clothes for Mordecai, so that he puts on his clothes. And then you, you, you salve your conscience that I've done something. And then when you give him clothes, he will stop walking in front of the gate and in sackcloth and it will take your guilty conscience away and it will help you to settle nicely in your comfort zone. Amen. And it's the same thing Saul did. The Bible says that the things that were despised and worthless, he destroyed. Because those are not difficult to destroy. Those things, they flow with your will. You yourself, you don't like them. So when God asks you to get rid of them, you see, there are aspects of God's law that are very easy and nice to obey. For instance, when he says, husbands, love your wives, you are very happy about that verse. Because it's something you want already. And then the will of God is going in that direction. Do you understand? But when you come to that place that he says that, take up your cross and follow me daily. He that will come after me must hate his father, his mother. You feel uncomfortable. It is natural. There are some verses that are not we don't enjoy. And there are some verses that they flow in accordance with your will. So when God says, destroy, worthless, you, you would have thrown it out anyway. And it's worthless to you anyway. So it's obedience alright, but it's easy obedience. But in your walk with God, you will get to a place where obedience is hard. Amen. I don't always feel like preaching. So obedience sometimes is hard. And I don't always feel that I have a word to speak. So what when I go... Lord, what will I say? You know, and the major thing that keeps me going is because I know that God called me. And my Sunday school teacher drummed it into my head for years. God has called you. God has called you. Even that, I didn't even understand it. God has called. And my Sunday school teacher, he is, um, excuse me, he could be eccentric on another plane. So when he says something, he carries it out to a certain extent. You know, yesterday when I was getting ready, I remember that he he formed a group called the Tears of Jesus. And every time we were about to go and preach, he would say, we had a slogan. So he would say, the Tears, and then we would shout, of Jesus. And then God's will be done, always. So I was thinking, wow, we always said God's will be done. Was it God's will? Maybe he was shaping us into preachers and all that we would be doing but this man told us at a tender age, God's will be done. He says, God's will, then we shall be done. All that was a prayer. <laughs> do you see? So I always imagine standing before God to give an account. When I sent you here, did you go? When I said that you should do, the, because you don't even know the life's represented in a service. And you don't know what God is doing. Then you are deciding with yourself, that, oh, today I want to sleep a little. This morning, I didn't feel like coming here. And I was thinking that you people who come to first service, you are very somewhere. Why can't you come for second? (laughs) Because I felt very tired. But I knew that God's people would be there. And therefore, it's not about my comfort. I have to show up. Amen. So there are certain times that you do things. They are easy. Sometimes even submission is easy. Because you want to do that anyway. But when they say, why? Submit unto your husbands," And the times that you don't feel like. And especially when you think it's very foolish. And it doesn't agree with you. And it's going to put you in a very uncomfortable state. That is when, that is when obedience is key. (laughs) Amen. So he spares the king. He spares all the lovely things. And he brings it. So the obedience is not complete. Now we will be very impressed outwardly. Because we'll hear that the battle was victorious. Things went on well. Saul has conquered He has brought everything back to the city. But only God knows what he told you. And for God, obedience that is not complete is not obedience. And it's God who comes to Samuel and says that, look, this person has disobeyed me. So Samuel comes and tells Saul. God says you have disobeyed. Oh no, I've done everything and our arguments. We are very stubborn by nature. We are very argumentative by nature. And we don't like to point out things within ourselves. It is human. That is why when even God came to the garden, Adam said, the woman, thou, thou, thou God, thou gavest me, that woman. When she first, he first gave her the woman, him the woman, he didn't complain. You see, some of you, when the pastor said, oh, this sister is good, Maria, you don't complain. You are very happy and you flow. But when problems come in the mind, eh, I didn't love her, and then this pastor, whatever. It's part of it. Every relationship will have its challenges. But the Christians of today are so comfort-oriented that when marriage becomes tough, we want out. I mean, why? Why should I struggle with you like that? Why? I'm not happy. My, everything is me, 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 me. I'm not happy. You don't do this for me. You should be doing that for me. Me, me, me. But marriage is a thing of sacrifice, but you didn't know. You thought that it's a place to come and get. It's a place that you give and give and give. And sometimes you don't feel like giving anymore. That is the place. Amen. And that is why in America, the rate of divorce in the church is even trying to overtake the rate of divorce in the world. Because we have become just like the world. And we want the same things the world wants. And we don't know that we are even Christians. And also we live in a society where everything is available. So we don't even think that we have to give up anything. You don't have to give up anything. You don't have to be uncomfortable about anything. But there are many times I have wept to obey God. It's not easy to just say, oh, God, I mean, I'll just obey you. But I always think by the grace of God that there's a higher wisdom that God has that I don't know about. And therefore, if he has said, do this, it it doesn't look proper. It doesn't look whatever, but he has said it. So, as I grow, my greatest prayer topic is for strength to obey. That's another sermon altogether. Because the Lord said to Joshua, be strong and of good character, thou mayest obey the commandments. So you need a certain strength and a certain courage to be able to obey God. And he spared Agag the king. He spared the sheep that were healthy. The ones that were sick, nobody wants diseased animals anyway and then someone came and said I can hear the bleating I can hear said, oh no it's not that I've done it I've obeyed God I've obeyed God we're always arguing with God we always have to be right even in the marriage sometimes you argue that when your husband goes out oh, you know that you are wrong but you won't say it some people tell me you know somebody called me and said my husband was talking he said that everything you respond everything you respond and I said in my head oh my God it's so true but I'll never mm-hmm. tell him so, so when he left the room, then I was thinking about it. That, hey, Charlie, it's true. But we will never, ever, ever given. So what happened was that Samuel has to leave his prophetic work and come and kill Agag for you. The cost of our disobedience is that certain people who are not called to certain things have to come and add what you should have done to what they have to do so that God's work can go on. And when you do that, you take time That the prophet should have been listening to God. You take time that the prophet should have been ministering to the people of God. You take time that the prophet should have been interceding. He has to stop and kill your agag. Because you refuse to do your part when God asked you to. Amen. And also we don't have the facts that God has. When we read in Exodus. You saw why Amalek had to be destroyed. Moses had held his hand the whole day. To sunset to defeat these people. From morning to sunset. When we say lift up your hands to the Lord. Because you are tired. From morning to sunset. And his hands became heavy. He felt like giving up. But for the sake of God's people and the army. He had to endure. And Aaron and her had to come and hold his hand. And he still could not. So he took a stone. And he sat on it. Just so that the people of God. Will win that battle. And then, when he finished God said. From today. Every generation must attack Amalek. It's a baton you've been given. Somebody paid a certain price from morning to sunset. Somebody was weary and sat on a stone. God cannot tell you all that. He can just give you the baton and say, run this lap. Run this lap. But the thing is from journey to journey. So when you stop and then you divert, you have destroyed something greater than you know. Your obedience is greater than you know. Hallelujah. And then, in 1 Samuel 30, when David goes out with his men to fight, he comes back. The village has been burned. The women and children have been taken. Everything has been carried away. It was by the Amalekites. Somebody in Amalek obeyed what God said. What God knew was the strategy. Somebody in Amalek obeyed. He destroyed everything. He burned everything. He took all the women and children away. And when David came, the Bible says they lifted up their voices and they wept. And the men thought of stoning him. The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. Then he took an effort and he asked God, should I go? Should I whatever? He should have been fighting other battles. But because you left Agag and you left some of the people, somebody else has had to come and fight. And that person has become a thorn in the sight of Israel. And has to carry and burn all the cities because you didn't obey. If you had obeyed, our women would not have been carried. Our children would have been left because the Amalekites would not have been alive. The cost of our disobedience. And then when you finish, you say, You are bringing me a sacrifice. You don't know the history. That's why they say, You don't know the cost. You don't know what people have sacrificed, the blood that has been shed. For you, Saul, to be there, you don't know. That's why when Amalek comes, you play with them and you toy with them. But the Moses who stood up and wouldn't let his hand go and he paid that price, he's gone. He can't explain it all to you, but it's the Father who knows it all. I pray that today, rebellion, disobedience will leave your lives. That you will start to see a bigger picture than yourself. How I feel. How I want to manifest. How I want. The history is with God. And you must play your part because disobedience is costly. To obey is better than to sacrifice. Stand to your feet. Every head bowed. And every eye closed. I want you to talk to God. That He will give you a tender heart. A heart that responds to Him. A heart that wants to obey. A heart that is yielded to Him. I want to pray about that. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His word, what a glory! Wow. Will give them a heart of obedience a heart of tenderness towards you Lord a heart that response to the things of God I pray that the desires of the flesh the lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh and the things of this world the pleasures Lord will not take the place of our obedience to you I pray for a new beginning Lord forgive us for we have lived for ourselves. Forgive us, for we have lived for our own comforts and our own desires and our own conveniences. Oh, let your blood cleanse and set us on a road of obedience. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You are here this morning. You don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. The Lord has been calling you. The Lord has been talking to you to get serious, to give your life to him to start all over again and you are always resisting this morning, the Lord is reaching out to you you want to say, Lady Reverend pray for me I don't know whether I will go to heaven or hell or when I die but I just want to go to heaven I want to be sure, Lady Reverend I want to start all over with God if you are here like that, just forget about who is on your left and who is on your right just lift up your hands above your shoulder let it go high up wherever you are standing I want to pray with you I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus. To start all over again. To obey God from today. To lead a yielded life. You're here like that. You want to say, Lady Reverend, pray for me. I want to start all over. I want to give my life to Christ. Just put your hands high up and I'll pray with you. Father, thank you that you are at work in us both to will and to do of your good pleasure. I pray that we will not frustrate the work of the Holy Spirit, but we will allow you to make us willing and obedient vessels. Thank you for answered prayer. In Jesus' name,
1: amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Hewitt Mills, please visit at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Adelaide Hewitt Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.